So you got a second thing, you know, <laughs> stolen from John Kleine, who I just, who's going to be here, I think, the, I think my, I, I've been communicating with him overnight, and um, I think he'll be here October 20th through the 22nd, I think, so he'll come and see us, so that'll be nice. I think the 20th through the 22nd. We have to work him in for all other things, so, but I think, I think he'll be around, he and his wife, so that'll be nice for us. Almost Reformation, yeah, it's one off. Um, I don't think there's anything else cooking that weekend, so we'll take him and, you know, we'll probably do a day thing. What, you know what, here's the thing, this would actually be a good thing. If you could have John Kleine talk about whatever you wanted to talk about, what would, you, what would you want to talk about? Like, what's the big gap that we never talk about that we should have a smart guy talk about? Got any ideas? You can't. Yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it might, you know, whether he'll have time to prepare another lecture, but here's the thing. If you already know everything, it's really not that hard. So um, maybe not. So if you have some ideas about what you might like. Yeah, right. As opposed to prayer. Do you remember what the title of it was? The very first thing he ever did here was a thing called Kindled Hearts. Did you, was that, have you, do any of you, do you remember that? Uh, it was very, very good. Whether that would be the same thing, um, you don't. You don't actually. You know, it doesn't. It does, yeah, actually, if you said, because I will say, Holly said she heard you at Doxology, and he'll say, "What did I do?" I know he will, because he's. <laughs> yeah, if you give me the exact title, you know, that's. Um, so one thing would be meditation, as as opposed to prayer, because uh, basically one of the things he talks about is, um, you read scripture, you meditate on scripture, and then you know how to pray. But it's that middle thing that we often don't. Um, yes, right. And so, may, thank you. If you can um, jot me a note or two so he would know what we were talking about. So that's one possibility. And maybe we'll do a morning and he could do a thing or two. We'll just see what he likes to do. Was that an hour or was it a whole weekend? No, it was just one session. One session, yeah. So he would do a couple of. Yeah, right. Okay, that's good. So think it over. Um, you know. We can all grow up to be like him. So uh, on the first thing on here, there's stories in the Gospels about G- Jesus healing people who are deaf and dumb, right? So people who can't hear and can't speak. And you remember, at least you should remember, I mean, the poor, the poor Nelson baby, we did the best we could. The Zellers had a baby. We did the, all we could. But at some point, the Zellers and the, and, the, and, the, and the Nelsons were kind enough not to shock you by using Luther's 1523 version of baptism. They, they, they knew you were more sensible people, more refined, Wheaton sort of people. So they went to the 1526 edition. But you remember in the 1523 edition, among the baptismal things that the pastor does to your child is what? Spits on his fingers, rubs it in the kid's ears. Then he spits on his tongue, and he pulls the kid's tongue out of his mouth, and he rubs spit on his tongue, Right? Probably would have been okay for the Nelsons, but they, but they would have said they would have said something like he's lost his mind. He's been up too many hours. Now, that was normal. That was normal for your baptism for a range of reasons which we can't possibly understand. Uh, but why did they? Why did? Why was that in the baptismal rite? Anybody remember? Good. So your pastor is Jesus. He stands in the place of Jesus. The pastor at the baptism is Jesus. So he does to people what Jesus does. And there's a story where a guy can't hear. What does Jesus do? Spits. And then there's a guy who can't talk. And what's he do? Spits. So Jesus spits on you and you get better. And so um, 
It's the recognition that you are, you know, completely bound up. You know, you're, com you're, you're possessed. I mean, we, the very first thing we did with those kids is had an exorcism. You know, uh, depart you unclean spirit and make room for the Holy Spirit. Almost nobody knows what's going on there. That's actually, it's actually an exorcism for the kid. It is an exorcism. It is. Depart you unclean spirit and make room for the Holy Spirit. We think it has to be a two-hour movie and the head has to spin around. No, no. I mean, and in, the, in the old days, they would even, you know, to kind of extend it, they would even do an exorcism on the water. So let's make the water holy first. And they're, they're, they'd, they'd, exor they'd do exorcisms on the tools that would be used so that everything would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that, that's not, you know, it's not wrong. We don't always do it, but it's not wrong. It is, it's people who are kind of attuned or know their Bibles, they do things differently than people who don't. It's not that you have to do that, but if you're spitting on the kid, it's unusual enough that people say, what just happened, right? So what just happened is we said, this kid is just like, you know, the guy who couldn't hear. And so we need to open up his ears so the words go in. This kid can't speak, so we need to loosen his tongue so he can talk about Jesus. Well, um, the scriptures are, uh, are full of stories like that, and John lists it there as our spiritual doveness, that he gives us the gift of speech. Now, um, Jesus is um, an interesting guy in so many ways because of, of his kindness and gentleness and simplicity. Um, I, I said this in the first couple of things, and I still puzzle over it. Hey, welcome. We love you. Um, one of the things, and so there's a couple of things for you I want you to puzzle about. First, and I put this to you a couple of weeks ago, that we learn more from our failures in prayer than we do from our successes. And I, I'm still puzzling over this, and another, I got another thing for you to think about today, too. But, you know, just take this as a Kleinig thing. Prayers, unlike anything else we do, we learn more about prayer from our failures than our success. So in most avenues of life, we build on our successes. We get better, we get better, we get better, we get better. And then we advance and we get better and we get some confidence and we get better. In prayer, um, Kleinig would suggest to you that you build on your failures. And so the first thing, if you want to make people feel really guilty, the first thing you do to them is say, how's your prayer life? So if I said to you, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life going? You know, so yeah, there you go. That a girl. Why? Because you're up. You're awake. You don't have any time to pray. You've got kids now. You've got to pay attention. Yeah. If you want to make people feel bad about coming to church, the first thing you do is say, how, how are your prayers going, right? And um, there's always some red hots in the group who are right in the midst of their, like, you know, your prayer life go like this and they're up here. And you're feeling good about yourselves right now, aren't you? Yeah, what's that? You just got your pony, exactly right. I'm on a roll here. I, it's only going to get better from here, right? You just, yeah, I, I want a pony, and you got your pony. Um, and, it, and, and, and uh, you know, I don't need any help. Everything is working out. But um, the reality is, is that, you know, most people's prayers lives, in fact, everybody I've ever really bumped into, even really, I mean, even monks, nuns, people who pray all day long, will tell you, if you read anything on prayer, You'll, you'll hear people talk about they have these great experiences, almost ecstatic, ecstatic, you know. It just, everything works. You get your pony. And then you also have these troughs where your heart is cold, you don't want to pray, you can't think of what to say. Um, here's a really interesting thing. Test this. This would be your second Kleinig thing to, to test. Um, he suggests to you that Satan discourages your prayers, which I suggest that you would all go for, right? I mean, you would say... 
And, and I, you know, this is, um, there was this brilliant, in the first big fat pack of stuff. Did you get this? Yeah. This is from Father Agathon, third century monk. Wasn't this interesting? It's on the very first page on the right. There is no effort comparable to prayer to God. In fact, whenever you want to pray, hostile demons try to interrupt you. Now, at the Nelson household, those demons are known as the bottle warmer, the mailman, the timer. I've got, I've got to change a diaper. Yeah, right, you know. So they come in all forms, disguised sometimes as angels, right? Of course, they know nothing. I'm sorry. Of course, they know that nothing but prayer to God entangles them. Isn't that great? So you say your prayers and you tangle up the demons. You know? You say your prayers and you, you know what hobbles are on a horse? You're, did you go, you're, only people of a particular age know that. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Is that because you're of an age or because you were rural? Did you grow up rural? Really? If you're. Watching movies. You know, hobbles are, uh, you know, you know hobbles just from a Willie Nelson song, but hobbles are, you know, what inmates wear when you go into, yeah, like a chain gang. That's exactly right. Carol, you know too much. Uh, you know, hobbles are, you know, they look like a big pair of handcuffs on the leg, and you can't, you can't run. They're like shackles for human beings. Hobbles on a horse. Right, move around. Not too far. Children could be... <clears throat> anyway, um, so, yeah, right. The, when we lived in Germany, the parents, the parent, Claire was young, and Claire used to, she just used to like to run. You could just turn her loose and she would run. She would run for a mile, and she had short steps so we didn't have to run after her, but she, German parents would look at us, and most German parents had their kid uh-huh. on a leash. Yeah, yeah that's right. So... <laughs> Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber. Oh. Hanson, that's not German. Do you have any German in you? Yes, right. 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 <laughs> no, right. So you don't lose them. Yeah. It's oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a. It's a frightening thing to be in a. A couple times in my life, I've been in a crowd like that, and it's it is frightening. You can't, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Well, anyway, your prayers hobble the demons. And you should think about that. I mean, that's actually a nice, we always think of being victimized by the demons. You know, you can punch back. And one of the ways you punch back is when you say a prayer, you tangle up the demons. Um, Just as an aside, well, hold up. I got so many things I want to ask you about. Certainly, when you undertake any other good work and persevere in it, you obtain rest. But prayer is a battle all the way to the last breath. Isn't that great? Um, so the, the demons would interrupt your prayers and they would discourage you. And, you know, that, that makes perfect um, sense to all of us. But Kleine would actually argue that Satan also encourages your prayers which I found very strange. Now, if you were trying to explain why Satan would encourage your prayers, why would, that, why would Satan encourage you to pray? So you're praying wrongfully. Good. Say more. 
Yeah, again, better targets. So here's actually a question I actually posed along that line to about what we were talking about this. Um, does Satan know what you're praying for? What do you think? Thank you. Isn't it interesting? She said, if you're praying out loud. So the question is, can Satan hear your prayers? And then um, the answer was, if you're praying out loud. Now, why would he be able to know your prayers if you're praying out loud? Yeah, right, he can hear them. So that's why, I don't know if you remember, John had a sermon here two or three or four years ago where he talked about the sanctuary being the safest place in all the world. Do you remember this sermon where he said the sanctuary, he said the sanctuary is now filled with angels. Do you remember this sermon? It was a genius thing. I mean, and he talked about the sanctuary being the safest place in all the world, filled with angels. Standing room only. No room for any demon to get in. It's a very interesting way to talk about the church. Because what happens is you pray and you invoke them. And you take seriously with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. And he talked about the ladder back and forth and angels up and down and filling the place up. So the, 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 the sanctuary, why do, you, why do you come to church? Because you're safe. Because you're sitting with all your friends and all the angels, right? Isn't that great? Now, I, asked, I posed what I think is your question, which is, I said, what about the prayers that I say silently? What was the answer? What do you think? Can say, no. Does Satan know the prayers that you say silently? No. <laughs> wow. All the way to the American with Disabilities Act. Okay. Um, now, why is that? Because this is actually very, this is very interesting. Because it actually is, it goes in a couple of different directions. So just press your idea. So unless you move your lips, he doesn't know. Why is that? Because? Or your heart. Yes, right. So no person, and a demon, uh, a demon is a person in a sense, you know. A demon is a person, just doesn't have a body. No person knows another person's heart. Only God knows the human heart. They are dissected in a positive way, okay? So the interesting thing is, so um, I just want to take a little aside with this for a second which means, um, so, of course, I'm immediately thinking about then when we complain. So when you complain out loud or when you complain to another person, what actually is happening? What's one of the things that happens? Your, your thoughts. But it's also you're broadcasting your weakness. Yes, your vulnerabilities. You're broadcasting your vulnerabilities, and you're inviting, you're inviting attack. Isn't that interesting? So when you complain, you invite attack because you say, we're weak right here. This is where I'm weak. Or when you gossip with somebody else, you say, I'm weak right here. Attack me here. And as you all know, Satan obliges this, right? <laughs> As opposed to, as the scriptures say, you, you, know, you hold your tongue and suffer in silence. You remember all the Psalms that talk about you're quiet, you suffer in silence? One of the reasons for that is it just remains between you and the Lord then. Isn't that interesting? Now, what I don't want you to do is um, I don't want you to go off the deep end and never talk to your friends about the things that are troubling you, right? Because we all know that we have troubles, how valuable our friends are. That was your prayer this morning. It was a very good prayer. It's a great thing to remember, right? So we know how valuable our friends are. But there is a particular protection when I speak in the way of Jesus. So um, um, 
Kathy, we'll take you, because you're a good person and you'll let us do this. You've suffered over the last year, and you've, you've suffered a lot. I was reflecting on, you know, you know, Buck's death and your illness and now this tragedy. With, so you come to your friends and you say, will you pray for me? I've suffered in this way. Very legitimate ways you suffered, you suffered, you know. You say, would you pray for me? Um, that is not a thing that opens you to attack. Why not? Why doesn't that open you to attack, to bid your friends to pray for you? Yes, and it's a prayer in the way of Jesus. What Jesus wants for you is consolation. What Jesus wants for you is healing, right? What Jesus wants for you is for your family to carry on. These are all, you sort of ask for Jesus things. So if you're asking for Jesus things, if you say, this is what I really need. This is what Jesus wants for me. And what Jesus wants for you is to pray for me. The prayer of a righteous man avails much, right? So if you're righteous, a righteous person who prays, God really pays attention to that. That is painful for demons to hear. So for you to go to your friends and say, would you please pray for these things? It must be horrible if you're a demon at the point when the prayers go up at the altar and we just name the things. These people are, have gone to war. These people are sick. These people are some. It's sort of this, we won't be undone by this, right? And we're saying it out loud together. All of us together, we won't be undone by this. Does that make sense? So that is sort of the, you know, that is sort of, that pushes away the demons and fills the place with angels. On the other hand, because that's Jesus' talk, right? To lie, to gossip, to complain is not Jesus' talk. It's just, just the opposite. It invites the demons to attack you. Here I am. I'm weak. Come and have me. Does that make sense? Okay, that was actually just a little aside, but I it's just fascinating stuff. Now, let's let's just go yes question. Good? Okay, good. Good. Good, so we need to go yes, so we need to pause and make sure that this is clear cuz what I don't want to do is discourage your prayers. No, I'm trying to encourage your prayers. So what you do is you wrap that concern in the name of Jesus. It's like that little tiny shell around those M&Ms your grandchildren like to eat. <laughs> Everything is protected. You wrap your concerns in the name of Jesus. It's hard for you. It's you know you know the name of Jesus is like a, it's like a cattle prod for for demons. It moves them along. You know it is this thing that is just painfully foreign to them. I mean, we just we started to read some demon stories in Mark now. What happens? The very, two weeks ago, what happens? Three weeks ago now? Two weeks ago. Jesus walks in the room, and what does the demon say? You're killing me, right? I mean, he just walks in the room. He doesn't even do anything. And, and the guy's over there, and immediately, what's it? You're killing me. You know, what do you do? It's painful. I mean, it's physically and spiritually painful for the demon to be in proximity to God, Right? So, no, you don't have to worry. Anything that's done in the way of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, is what you should be doing. So there's great encouragement. Just as an aside, everything seems to be an aside today. Every sin is some diminished divine virtue or some diminished divine gift, right? So 
God loves me, and I love my wife and kids because God loves me and he teaches me how to love. But if I love something else too much, money, you know, reputation, whatever, if I, whatever I make my idol, that's love gone bad. One is perfectly secure. One will destroy me. Does that make sense? It's the same way for your prayers. One kind of prayers. I've been so troubled. I know you love me. You baptize me. You stay by me. You love my husband. You love my grandkids. You love my father-in-law. You love everybody we come into contact with, and you ask us to love them as well. You ask us to extend the love. So strengthen me. Now, just as an aside, you notice this is the kind of prayer that we talked about. You have a name. You say what you did. You did this. That makes your prayers safe and warm and engaging. And so anything you say aloud now is sort of wrapped in this great uh, protection of Christ. That's very different than when I tell a lie, I gossip, I complain, or I even ask God to destroy somebody else, which is not my business at all. Now what I've done is shown my weakness. I've I've verbalized, I've, I've held it up and said, this is where I'm weak. Does that make sense? And that makes me vulnerable to attack. You would, you would, it's clearest for us when we say to kids, um, don't engage in witchcraft. We, we, everybody sort of agrees that witchcraft opens you to, right? But we don't say the same thing about gossip or telling a lie. But it's exactly the same thing. It's just a little bit different. It's a little more sophisticated, right? So we say, don't expose yourself to pornography. Right? We just, especially with young boys, you just have to talk to them. You just have to say, don't ever, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've said to young boys, including my son, don't ever go there. Just don't ever, it just ruins you in every way. You know, it's addictive, it ruins how you think about women, it ruins about how you think about community. You just never go there, and it's so difficult because every kid has a cell phone that's very difficult to lock down. Every computer, and if it's not your computer, you lock your computer down, what do they do? Hey, I'm going to somebody else's house. Or they do it at school. Or, yeah, I mean, there was just a thing where the ACLU is suing a library in, in Washington because they, it was either Washington or Washington, D.C., because they've, they put a blocker on the block pornography and people are complaining they can't go to the library and look at pornography. Now, if it's freedom of speech, you should be able to do that. So here's the thing. So we have to, you know, forget about that. We, but we would recognize it if we said it's pornography or it's witchcraft. We would recognize that as, as verbalizing our weaknesses, Right? and rendering us to attack. But of course, when things are secret, or when they're one-off, we don't see our little sins as opening us to attack, right? And we should. So what you have to do is you have to wrap every last thing that you do in the name of Jesus, right? Every last thing that we do, we wrap up in the name of Jesus. So we always say, that's why thy will be done is such a brilliant kind of prayer. It wraps everything up, right? That makes sense? Yes, please. Yeah. It does. It is very helpful. You know. Um, no, I'm actually saying you should. So I want to be very clear about what I'm saying. Uh, so okay. So this is yeah. Thank you very much for asking because I don't want to be misunderstood or I don't want you to. I just want you to know what you're what you're playing with. Okay. So when you so let me take the gaining point. My guess is part of the reason he said that was that it engages your whole body. 
There's just something about kneeling, closing your eyes, folding your hands, and speaking out loud. Look, you got all your senses going, right? Light a candle and light some incense while you're going too. There's a reason people did that. There's a reason they lit candles. You remember Cardinal Bernadine? I remember seeing a thing before he died. They, they, see, they had somebody tailed him for, took him through a day. The very first thing he did is get up, fully vested, sat down with a candle, and did his early morning meditation on scripture. Scripture meditation. I'm like, hmm. Which is not unlike you coming to the Eucharist. Go ahead. Was. Was. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're too tired. Yeah, you can't take it. And, you're fr- and didn't he say actually there, wasn't that a part about rejoicing with friends? And his friends would pr- pray for him. You know, so he had this thing in his book, This is the Gift of Peace, where he says, pray while you're healthy. He said, I never realized how important it is to pray while you're healthy, because when you're ill, you often can't summon the strength to engage, right? Or when you lose your mind. Yeah, no, exactly. When you, when you, um, yeah, when you, when you lose touch. So, no, what I, what I want to do is I just want to, this is kind of, you know, prayer step two, and it causes you to think about what you're doing when you say your prayers. I do want you to pray, and I happily want you to pray out loud. St. Ambrose, I don't know, so St. Ambrose is bishop um, uh, in Milan, you know, fourth century, he dies like 368 or something. Uh, there's a little thing written about him when it says um, once some, um, some religious folks, I don't remember if they were priests or monks, walked in while he was saying his prayers and said, and they were stunned because he moved his lips but nothing came out. Now part of the reason they were stunned means people were praying aloud for 350 years. That's all they were doing. The normal way to pray was out loud. Right? So they were stunned that here's this guy who's sort of an icon, one of the four great church fathers in the West, was praying and not, not, no sound was coming out. That was a new thing, you know? So the common pattern was to put it out there. <laughs> so here, this is really important. I want to be so clear about what I'm saying. Say your prayers. Make your requests known to God, right? Know that the prayer of a righteous person avails much. And know that even if you expose your deepest longings, when they're wrapped in the name of Jesus, they're safe. So, for example, this morning we prayed, uh, we prayed to the great physician for healing for Maddie, for you, for Barb. Kit's having his wisdom teeth out right this very second. Although my guess is he's feeling pretty good from the laughing gas and the intervenous <laughs> stuff. Later, when mom leaves, you know, then I got to take care of her. She's going away for the weekend, so it'll be Kit and I. And I am, though, thinking trying to monetize this by taking this picture and putting it on YouTube. I'm going to see if I can make a million bucks, like all those other parents who exploit their children. So um, <coughs> it sounds like a good idea. It seems like it might work. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. Oh, his sister was banking last night. Can't we please video you when you come out of the. Because, you know. So anyway, so you wrap those in the name. So we, we actually say we have great vulnerabilities, you know, in case it's, but we wrap it in the name great physician and it's protected. It's got the hard M&L shell, shell around it, right? So what I want to say is say your prayers that way, okay? Different topic, but not unrelated. So when we pray, we talk aloud. Now, when you go off on your own, and you gossip about somebody, 
or you tell a lie, or you're constant in complaint. I mean, complaint, constant complaint just shows your weakness, right? You're basically saying, I'm on my own, come and get me. So with your prayers, it's like the demons approach and bounce away. They're punished by the prayer, right? They hate the fact that you pray. That's one thing. The other things, though, when you're just constantly in complaint, you're just, you're just telling everybody that you're weak, right? Come and get me here. Go ahead. Uh, no, but that's the second thing, and we're going to come to that in just a second. So just hold the encouraging thing. I'm not to the encouraged thing thing because I bollocked up this other thing so badly I had to go back and backfill. Okay? So here's what I'm doing. The first thing I'm saying is distinguish between, okay, the category is, you Jeopardy players, voices out loud for $500, okay? There's a couple of ways you can speak. You can say, I've got a lot of trouble and here's all the places I really weak and I'm falling apart and God help me in the name of Jesus. That's, that's a prayer protected from demons. It's voice aloud protected from demons, right? You got that? If I say the same thing, my wife is horrible, my kids keep going and I this and this and you can't believe and then there's the Nelsons I got. You know, what about that? We haven't even gotten over here to this, you know. That's a whole, it's speech aloud. One repels the demons, one invites the demons. Got it? Got it? So if you lie, if you gossip, if you complain, you invite the demons. Because what do they want to do? Satan is the father of lies. The demons want to torture you. A demonic life is constant complaint. And it's actually antichrist. Jesus walks in and the demons say, ah, right? So if you got the two things... One, I'm talking about prayer wrapped in the name of Jesus. The other, I'm just talking about, you can say exactly the same thing as a negative complaint thing, and one closes off the demons, tangles them up, one opens you up to demons. Go, and then we're going to go. Go. Yes, right, yeah, give me the pony. Discourage you? Yes. Right. There's, um, there's something in that, and far be it for me to disagree with your parents, because I know that you never did. So, um, you know, so, uh, so I take the, so, so we push back to the name. If you can pull it out of the name, you can pray for it. If you can't find a name, you want to be careful about that, right? So whatever's in the name, Jesus says, it's John um, 15, 14-ish, 14, 15, 15, 14, in there. You know, whatever you ask in my name, you can have that. And it's wrapped in this glorious chapter where he said, and I've come that you'd have life and you'd have it abundantly, and I've come that you have joy and your joy would be full. And then he tells you to pray for stuff in the midst of that. So he wants you to have this big life. He wants you to have this joyful life. He wants you to have stuff in your life and people in your life. And if you can pull that out of his name, you can have it. How I'm going to come to you as soon as I go over here, okay? Go. I would think that those are, I would think that they're incestuously related, yes, in some way. Right. Yes, right. Two things. Make sure you hold on. Can you give me, or anybody else, can you give me a text uh, on each side of what you just said, which is a very true thing? So is there a Jesus text for either of those things about your anxieties or your worries? Give me a Jesus text. Give me a Paul text. Sorry, go ahead. Go. Yeah, Jesus says, what are you worried about for crying out loud? The hairs on your head are numbered, the birds of the air eat every night, and the lilies look just like Solomon, better. So Jesus says, don't worry. But do you know the Paul text where he says, 
let your anxieties be known to God, right? So the thing is, is there's the recognition that to be human is often to worry, which is a weakness. We're say, it's a weakness because we're basically saying, Jesus didn't really mean that thing about, you know, right? But, but we're broken. And so, so, see, this is, we have to be so careful. What I don't want to push you to is thinking, well, you're not perfect, so you can't pray because you can't pray perfectly. What I want you to do is wrap your worries up. Let your anxieties be known to God. You need to wrap your worries up in this protective, so you say, you know, you know, Lord God Almighty, you know everything, you take care of everything, and look at me, I'm just utterly broken by this, and I'm so sad and sorry that I can't hold on. Could you help me out? Exactly right. They're protected. So if you can do it in the name, they're protected. Well done. Oh boy, this don't tell Holly. Go ahead. <laughs> I know I'm coming back to you. I love you. Stay there. Yeah, strengthen me. Right. Right. Uh, yes. But that is, to say that is to exercise a certain amount of faith already. And, and some people can't, they just don't have that. To give something, one of the worst, so, exactly. I, and to, yes, yes. I, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, you betrayed yourself by saying, I've been doing this my whole life. To which I would say, God bless you. That's what people say after they've been doing it their whole life, Right? That is exactly what people say. The problem is, in this room, there are people who haven't been doing it their whole life, or maybe are just starting, and that prayer does not come off very easily because they don't have any track record, right? Yeah, or you forget, exactly right. And it's deadly to forget. Oh, it absolutely is, absolutely, it's deadly to forget. So I don't disagree with you at all. It's a very mature thing that you're saying, and it's very difficult for somebody weak, broken, or maybe immature to be able to say that. So without disagreeing, it's a little like me saying to you, can you high jump seven feet? Because I know people who can, and you know, it's, it's very, it's, you know, you just got to think that you can, so you're not wrong, it's just out there a little bit. Well, that is actually a different kind of situation, which is, oh, yes, right. Yes, no atheists and foxholes and all of that, right? Okay, Holly has to have her day. Because she brought her child and she's back and we love her and, you know. Thank you very much. That's actually very good. Right. Um, yes, good, yes. Yes, right, there's no pony prayer. You remember that Seinfeld about people who leave pony countries for non-pony countries. You remember that? What kind of people leave a pony country for a non-pony You really have to do more homework if you're going to come to Bible study. You don't remember that? Oh, my gosh. Okay. What am I going to do? Yes. Right. So I give you, you know, my favorite thing, which you've heard me say on prayer. I mean, it's the best thing I've ever heard on prayer, which is Bernard of Clairvaux. God will give you what you ask, a pony, or something better. Two ponies. Right? Or a pony farm. With ponies yet to arrive. You know, when you pray, God will give you what you ask, or something better. Yeah, you get the horse. Now, 
Yes, exactly right. You, yes, sometimes you wouldn't know a pony if you saw it, right? All right, so I just want to, um, just to tease you toward next time, I'll give you this to think about. Um, you know, this is where, so we, we pretty much have the, you know, Satan will discourage your prayers because you tangle them up. And then be careful because um, to distinguish between your prayers, which happens in Jesus' name, and your just complaint, gossip, lie, dissatisfaction, discontent, all the things we're talking about that don't happen in God's name, right? So it's like it happens in God's name, it doesn't happen in God's name. One is completely protected and good for you. The other is unprotected and you're on your own. And that's not good for you, right? So then this very pregnant suggestion that um, Satan encourages your prayers. So I'll just read you, you know, he said, um, how's your prayer life? To ask folks that makes them feel guilt. Um, Often your prayers are a boom and bust cycle, so they go like this. You go on this prayer binge, and Satan encourages you to pray because he knows you can't sustain it. And you fail, and then he makes you feel guilty. And so Satan, you remember, Satan's job is to accuse you. Do you remember this? He's the accuser. The image is this court where God is the judge, and you stand there, and Satan says, look at this horrible person, this woman. She's never said a proper prayer in her life, right? She she couldn't, you know, she wouldn't pray if her life depended on it. You know, the the, the Satan constantly accuses you. That's his job. His job is the prosecuting attorney. In fact, one of the hardest things, one of the things that Satan does to you, not just with your prayers, but says, you're not worth it. You're no good. You could never compare yourself to other people. Look how much better they are than you are, right? So constantly, Satan's job is to accuse you. And then when you start to agree with Satan on faith, rather than agreeing with Jesus, that one's mine. Whatever she does is forgiven. Um, I even see in her heart, when she can't get it out of her mouth, that that gift has been given and keeps going. So, he, uh, you know, one suggestion, which is a bit shocking, is that Satan would encourage you and even sort of um, push you along because um, in the end, uh, he'll use your lack of prayers against you. Yeah. Yeah, the na 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 thing, as you know, Kara, from being a long time, only comes if you have gospel behind your law, right? So um, the only way that anybody ever admits to anything is to throw themselves on the mercy of the court, right? As the only reason, so why do, you know, it's always, I don't want to pick on the ex-governor, but um, I'll pick on him just a little bit. <laughs> only because, and I, here's the thing, so I'm not picking on him because for anything about him, but I do always find it fascinating that, you know, you protest, protest, and this is not true just for him, but this is how our system is constructed, so we encourage it. You protest, you're innocent. I'm innocent, I'm innocent. innocent. Then if you are convicted, what's the first thing you do? I'm so sorry I did it. Because if you don't show remorse, if you show remorse, you get your sentence. So this, this, this crazy guy who was said to kill the woman in Aruba and then killed the woman in Peru. And it's actually written into the law. When he went before the court, he was found guilty. When he went before the court, it's written into the law that if you don't show remorse, the sentence is doubled. So what does he do when he went before the court? He said... You're right, I'm sorry. So the possible sentence went from, I don't know, like 62 years to 38 years or 38 years to, you know. Well, it's the same thing, it's the same thing the governor did. He said, 
all right, you caught me. I'm very, very sorry. And then, of course, one-upped it by, and I don't remember how this exactly came out, so if I'm not exactly right or if that's cool. But then he also said, and by the way, I'm an alcoholic, so you get an extra year off because you will, can go into rehab, right? So if you'll admit that you're uh, addicted to something, you actually get another year off your sentence. Well, you'd be deaf, dumb, and blind not to say, okay, you could go to jail for 25 years if you hold the line, or you can go to jail for 20 years if you don't. Well, you might as well. What would your lawyer tell you to do? Right? Yeah, right. So, I don't know. So, um, you know, I just put that as, I think kind of the behind that is just be careful of pridefulness in your prayers. If your prayers get too prideful, or, you know, that's the wrong kind of encouragement. Jesus, of course, wants you to pray. He encourages you to pray. But he teaches you to pray in a particular way. And you can read the outline, and that's where we're going to go. There's a couple of different things that are going to happen. Um, it's the practical help of your prayers that come in the Lord's Prayer and then the rest of this text uh, from Luke. And that's what we're going to do for a week or two, however long it takes. So be careful. Whenever your prayers become your prayers, then you're in danger. When your prayers are the Lord's prayers, either with his very words or drawn out of scripture and meditation and done in his name, you're completely safe. Make sense? And the very same word, the very same action can, is either protected or not protected. Isn't that, I mean, it's very, it's a whole different way to think about your prayer life. And a, and a little more sophisticated than just saying, say your prayers. So anyway, hold on to that and see what happens. All right, um, I got three of these left, which would mean we almost were perfect, because I can't remember if we ordered 50 or 60. Does anybody still need one? All right, good. I'll have them upstairs. If that's actually, that's perfect. You were very good. You raised your hand. You bought the ones you said. Um, I'll have a couple if you need them. Um, give Mary 10 bucks because um, she knows what to do with it. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, great, man. This is great. This is how we love people. Mary knows what to do. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Um, and then we'll keep going. Remember that next Wednesday, Lent begins, Ash Wednesday, so just a little aside. Um, already people, and so this is like the great, I don't know if you know this, but um, I almost was thrown out my first year here because we had ashes on Ash Wednesday. Do you know this story? Oh, my gosh. This is one of the most horrifying things for me. Um, I was new, everything was busy, nobody was here. I sort of ran down to the office. There was somebody sitting behind a desk. I don't even remember who it was, but I said, um, and in the church office and the school office were right next to each other, and I said, Ash Wednesday's coming, do you have ashes on Ash Wednesday? And whoever was sitting there said, yeah, we have ashes every year. I'm like, okay, good. So we just sort of, um, we had Ash Wednesday. I don't know, we had Ash Wednesday service, and then we put ashes on people. And then a few of the, uh, long timers sat me down after the, they said, you violated every trust we've put in you as a pastor. Um, we're going to the elders and this will probably be the end of you. This is my first year here. So I'd only been here a couple of, I don't know, whatever. And I'm like, what do you mean? We never have ashes. And of course I'm saying, yeah, but I went down to the office and I asked, I said, you know, so then, I mean, this was like, it was an all day threat of my phone's ringing and what the hell's going on here and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, you know, so I'd go back and found whoever I talked to. I can't even remember who it was at this point. I'm like, I asked you, and you said, we have ashes. He's like, yeah, we always have ashes in the school. I'm like, what? 
So I spent my whole last Wednesday making phone calls saying, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to push too hard, blah, 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 blah. So then at night, we didn't have ashes. So then what happens? I'm standing in the sacristy. There are four or five people who come into the sacristy and say, what in the hell is going on here? We, we have, we've been waiting years for ashes. The only, only reason we came back to Ash Wednesday is because there were finally ashes here, and now we don't have ashes. We're going to the elders. I don't know what the problem is. But it's Ash Wednesday, we don't have elders. About eight hours in the life of a pastor at St. John. I'm just like, people are making me crazy. <laughs> so anyway, um, there will be ashes here. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Ash, Ash Wednesday, where does that come from? I mean, it's Ash Wednesday, but we don't really. It's like we have a buffet, but there's no food. But you still pay $9.99 for all you can eat. But there's nothing to eat, but it's a buffet. Yeah, so anyway, there'll be ashes. But where, where I was really going, I just you can tell I have these potent flashbacks. That's 15 years ago. Ah, wake up in the middle of the day. Ah, ashes. Um, People have begun to ask, uh, you know, about giving things up for Lent, but a few people have been, have now, cleverly, begun to recognize that Lent isn't only about, a fast doesn't just mean that you have to give something up. In fact, you know, we run, every couple of years we run this great thing from Leo the Great where he says, um, why don't you fast with your mouth? He doesn't mean not eating. He said, he actually says, why don't you give up being critical of other people. Why don't you give up, you know? And he actually talks about, why don't you, why don't you um, give up not saying kind things about other people? So basically he's saying to you, why don't you just talk really nicely to people for 40 days and see how that works out for you? It's a genius way to think about, you know, you've given up chocolate. I'm like, big deal, you know, because you just moved over to the payday bar. It wasn't that big a thing for you, okay? You just, you know... But you might think about Lent, as you're thinking about Lent, as a thing you, you, you can think about it as giving up a vice, as in, or you can also think about it as engaging a new positive thing, you know, creating a habit of speaking kindly to other people, or, um, you know, when you walk into a room, so I just tell you, so for example, you walk in downstairs, it's vibrant between services, but there's always somebody standing alone. What if you found, what if you, what if your Lenten discipline was to find the person who's standing alone and go talk to them? In any room, there's always somebody standing by themselves. There's somebody, that person needs a friend, and they don't quite know how to make a friend or what to do. Not everybody can work a room, right? So, I mean, there's other ways that you can engage Lent other than, you know, giving up beer for 40, 40 days and nights, you know? Uh, you know, think, think, so just, I just as you begin to think, you got a few days before the ashes come. You got a, you got a possibility. What if you just said to your kids, you know, what if you just told them you loved them three times a day? That would be different, you know, that you actually had the pause for that. Just, so just think about it. There's other possibilities, okay? Just as you're kind of thinking about Lent coming on. Okay, uh, next time. Let's pray. Let's go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, thanks. See ya. It's good, always good to see you.